What I want to preach to you about this morning, I hope will uh, add some fuel to the fire of a church and our mission. I got this concept some time ago from the Word of God, and it's been burning in my heart just two Sundays, this Sunday and next Sunday. It's called Written in Stone and Written in Red. We have two stones up here. The whole thing revolves around the time that God took Moses up to the top of the mountain, and he said, I am going to write or I'm going to give you a law that will be a communication. It will be an agreement between me and our people, and I want you to take this and I want you to share it with the people and I want you to help them to know that I want to have a closer relationship. I want them to know how important this is to me. It's actually going to be me writing my values in stone and I want you to have it. And so it was written in stone. You know, there are five times in the Bible where God says he took his finger and wrote something in it or with it. In the darkness, he created the universe, and it was called, in the, book, in the book of Psalms, his finger works. He said he created the universe just the works of his finger. On the walls of the palace, he wrote a message of eternal condemnation to the king of Persia, and he brought down the kingdom. And he wrote there, you've been weighed in the balances and found wanting, and that night, what was supposed to have been an unconquerable kingdom was slain that night, and the finger of God wrote the message on the wall. Then in the sand, he wrote a message of infinite love to a woman who was gathered, others had gathered around her. She was taken in adultery and God wrote something in the sand with his fingers and he sent all of her accusers away from her and he started in her a brand new life by the message of love that he wrote in the sand. And then on Mount Sinai, he wrote the eternal law on two stones with his own finger, the Bible says, 2,000 years ago, a resurrected Savior wrote a message of infant forgiveness on the altar of God. He say, preacher, when did he do that? The Bible says when Jesus was raised, he had come to his disciples and they wanted to embrace him. They wanted to love him. And if you remember, he said, don't touch me yet. I have not ascended to my father. You said, preacher, what was he talking about? Why, why was he not yet ascended? Why had he not gone to heaven? In the book of Hebrews, it tells us. The Bible says with his own blood. Think about this. With his own blood, he walked into the holy of holies in heaven and took his own blood and covered the altar in heaven and made intercession for you and me. And he did so with his own blood. And that's why I said written in red. Next Sunday, if you... You need to get everybody you can. You need to tell all your friends. You need to do everything in your power to get people. I want to talk about the cross of Jesus Christ in light of the law of Jesus Christ. We have the law that was written by the finger of God in stone. We have the message of love that was written by the finger of God on the altar of God in heaven. You get the picture? You've got these two. Now, I gave you, and we gave everybody this morning, I hope you got one, a copy of the Ten Commandments. And if you have it, I'd like for you to hold it, and in just a moment, we're going to read it together. But I'd like for you to put this in your Bible, the Bible that I preached out of before I got this one. For many years, I had a copy of this in the flyleaf of my Bible, just to remind me that the Ten Commandments of God are important. I want to paint for you a picture of the importance 
of the law of God this morning, written with his own finger. Now listen very carefully. I'm doing this because the size of the law in your mind, the importance of the law of God in your mind, will determine the size of the cross of Christ in your heart. If the law is of little importance, then the cross will be of little importance. But if the law of God is infinitely important, you and I both realize that we have to have a cross that is equal to and can surpass the law. The curse of the law will only be superseded by the cross of Jesus Christ. Does that make sense? Little law, little cross. Big law, big cross. And I want to talk to you about that this morning. You see, the Bible says in Exodus chapter 31, verse 18, And he gave unto Moses, when he had made an end of communing with him upon Mount Sinai, two tables of testimony, tables of stone, written with the finger of God. In Deuteronomy chapter 9, verse 10, it says this, recalling it. Deuteronomy says, it's almost like, say it, say it again, Sam. Deuteronomy chapter 9, verse 10 says, And the Lord delivered unto me two tables of stone written with the finger of God, and on them was written according to all the words which the Lord spoke with you in the mount of the midst of the fire in the day of the assembly. And then if you'd look over into chapter 31 of the book of Deuteronomy, listen to what God told him to do with those stones. Take this book of the law and put it inside the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God, that it may be there for a witness against you. Wow. Wow. God said every time that I am called to the throne of God and I stand before him, before the throne of God, the altar of God, you remember them. Therefore, let us come boldly to the throne of God that we may obtain grace to help in time of need, so forth. Right? It says that there is a place there an altar in heaven. And in that altar, today, according to the word of God, the law of God is the measuring stick. Now, I wanted to bring a measuring stick. I wanted to bring that. I found one out there. But as I was walking in, I asked Mike how tall he was. And he said he's six foot five. You, you don't mind helping me, do you? Come here help me just a minute. The Bible says all have sinned and come what? Short of what? The glory of God. Do y'all see this? <laughs> now he's my friend, right? I mean, y'all know he's my friend. He's my brother in Christ. I love him to death. But I have 
fallen short. You get the picture? You see it? All right, I'm going to show you something in a minute. Ruck, thanks, buddy. I appreciate it. I was trying to find somebody shorter than me, but I couldn't. I was going to do it with me. But anyway. Take out your copy of the Ten Commandments. Let's read them, okay? This is our standard. And we're going to read them together. So uh, how many did not get one of these? Anybody did not get one of these? We have a few people that didn't get one. Uh, let me wait because I want you to take one home. Guys, are there some more in the back? Usher's right there. They're on, they're on it right now. And we'll do that in a moment. If you didn't get it, I want you to take it home with you. There are three words. If you have your outline, some people may be writing on the back. There are three words that I want you to write on that outline, and that's what I'm going to build my message around because the Bible identifies the book of the law with three words. First of all, it talks about that the law is a master teacher. It talks about this in the New Testament. A master teacher. If you didn't get one of these copies of the Ten Commandments, hold it up if you would, please. Just hold your hand up high and the guys will come to you right now. It says that the, the law is a master teacher that brings us to God. In other words, this is what helps us to get a good view of who God is. It helps us to understand who He is. It is the law that is a master teacher. The second thing, second word write down, a mirror. The Bible says in the New Testament that the law is like a mirror, which reveals to us what we really look like in God's sight. And then the third word I want you to write down is the word, or the words, measuring stick. Measuring stick. And I want to talk about those three things. First, we want to talk about the master teacher in just a moment. But as soon as everybody gets one of those, I'm glad you, that you got some right in here. Guys are coming. Thank you so very, very much. I want to ask you a question. Talk to me. Do you think that the Ten Commandments are still important today? Do you think it was a terrible day in the history of the United States of America when we took the Ten Commandments off the walls of our school? Do you think that was a good day or a bad day? Bad day. What do you think about in city parks and places of interest in community areas where the law of our land emasculated and took the Ten Commandments off of the walls of courthouses and places like that. Good day or bad day? Bad day. We are now reaping in our youth the result of them not knowing the Ten Commandments. I saw a, a, a program not too long ago where they were interviewing young people and people in general in one of the malls. And they would say, can you quote one of the Ten Commandments? And the closest thing to that was this. One of them said, oh, yes, I got one. He said, what is it? Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. That's the closest he, that's the closest he came. Now, you might laugh, but anyway, sometimes in the evening when I get home, I like to watch Family Feud just to see how they answer those dumb questions, right? I'm amazed at how they answer those questions, right, frankly. But, but about three or four weeks ago, the question was asked. You know, at the end, when they're trying to get the 20,000 bucks, they have two people. One of them's hidden in the back, and the other one's up there, and they're talking to Steve Harvey, and he's asking them questions. And, and, and so he asked this question, how many of the Ten Commandments have you broken in the last month? 
And the person standing there said, one. So they put it up on the screen. That person walked off. The relative came in and stood there and was asked the same question. How many of the Ten Commandments have you broken in the last month? One. Well, maybe two. And I thought, they don't know the Ten Commandments. Because they just lied. Right then, they just lied, right? Stand up. Let's read these Ten Commandments. Let's refresh their minds. Stick them in your Bible. Commit them to memory. Put them up somewhere in your house. Let's begin to honor the law of the Lord. Because the law of the Lord is a blessing to us. Blessed is the man. Walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the sea of the scornful. But his delight is in the what? The law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night, and he shall be like a tree planted by the river's waters that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. Amen. And whatsoever he doeth shall what? Prosper. Let's read it. Ten Commandments, Exodus chapter 20. Let's read out loud together. Number one. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Number two, thou shalt not make any unto you any graven images. Number three, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Number four, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Number five, honor thy father and thy mother. Number six, Thou shalt not murder or kill. Number seven, thou shalt not commit adultery. Number eight, thou shalt not steal. Number nine, thou shalt not. Number 10, thou shalt not covet. God, thank you that in this house we can stand as people who are seeking you. And read the will of God in print. God, this is a standard. Speak to us too today. Through your word, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. I would also encourage you to remember the book of Joshua chapter 1 where it says, This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you will meditate therein day and night that thou mayest observe to do according to to all that is written, for then you shall, they shall make your way prosperous, and then you shall have good success. Let's look at this matter of the law of God. There are three descriptive words that would give us an insight as to how God sees these Ten Commandments. First of all, the law of God is a master teacher. Listen to this verse. The law was our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 24. First of all, this law, this teacher, a master teacher, always brings good information into the class. Psalm 94, 12 says, Blessed is the man that, that you teach, O Lord, for you teach him out of your law. Solomon said, Get wisdom above everything, get wisdom. The wisdom of God comes where? From the Word of God. You see, the Bible teaches us that this will teach us about the condition of man before salvation. 
I want to ask you a question. Why do not more people run down these aisles or the aisles of other churches in search of salvation? Why do they not do that? I believe it's because they don't realize how lost they really are and what the punishment for being lost really is. They have no concept. The law of God is a take it or leave it situation. And so they just don't think it. But the Word of God brings good information about the condition of man before salvation. And then it brings good information about the condition of forgiveness. Forgiveness is ushered to us by God on a certain basis. It's not free. Doesn't cost us anything, but it was very expensive for us to be forgiven. And it brings good information about the sacrifice, the payment that is necessary to be forgiven. Secondly, this master teacher brings instruction. Word of God says, for the commandment is a lamp and the law is a light and reproofs of instruction are the way of life, Proverbs 6, 23. It teaches us how to live before a holy God, how to use your life and not lose it, how the law of God demands a perfect eternal payment for our sin. I might shock you this morning, but I want to show you what the Bible teaches. A good teacher always brings a test, right? How many of y'all love tests? I hated them. If I could skip school when I was in school, I'd try to pick a day when they were giving a test. Yeah. So it is with the Bible. The Bible talks about this test. And it lays out what the test will be concerning salvation. Now, I want to talk to you. I want to understand very carefully what I'm saying. There are two classes of people in the world. In terms of eternity, there are those who are still in their sin, who are still under the curse of the law. They have never received Christ. They are without Christ. Does everybody understand that? They are under the law. We call them unsaved people, not yet believers. There are those who have passed from death to life who are now Christians. Christian people have received the payment of Jesus Christ. They have been transferred. I want you to understand the process of the law in that process of becoming a Christian. Because the Bible teaches and the master teacher projects an inspection And here it is. For whoever shall keep the whole law, James 2.10, whoever shall keep the whole law and just break one, yet fall short in one point, he is guilty of all. Wow. Whoever, let me just, for whosoever should keep the whole law and yet fall short in one point, he is guilty of all. 
Break one, in God's sight you've broken the law, you've broken all. It is not a progressive point. I am guilty. I was guilty of the whole law and the judgment that laid therein. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. If you break that law, you go to hell. Thou shalt not make any graven images. You break that law, you go to hell. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. If you break that one, you go to hell. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. If you break that one, you go to hell. You get the drift? You break one, anyone. How many people have lived and died without breaking one law of God? Talk to me. One. What was his name? Jesus Christ. All the rest of us have broken God's law, right? Because the Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's where we were, folks, before we found Jesus. You get it? That's where we were. Thou shalt not kill. Thou honor thy father and mother. You, you break that one, you go to hell. Thou shalt not murder, you break that one. Thou shalt not commit adultery. We were driving home and made ourselves there was a stretch of roads on the way home on Friday afternoon. And there was all these adult, they said adult store. I said, why do they call them adult, adult store or something like that? She said, boy, there's so many of those. I said, you know what that is? That's just short for adultery. Those are adultery shops, right? And the Bible says that's wrong. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Thou shalt not covet. Stick that in your Bible. This is where we were before Christ died on the cross. This is what he had to pay for. Secondly, the law of God is a mirror. James chapter 1 verse 23 says, If any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a mirror. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgets what manner of person he was. Guy walks up to the mirror. He's as ugly. He's so ugly that glasses break when he walks by. You know what I'm saying? But have you ever seen guys get in front of the mirror? Have you ever seen girls get in front of the mirror? Guys are just as bad. Y'all just don't know it. And they get in front of the mirror and they go. And they smile at themselves. Get this little. Mirror, mirror on the wall. Who is the fairest of them all? Man, we spend more money trying to cake on our face to change our looks. You know, I mean, come on. That's why God used the word mirror. But the mirror of the Bible is an honest mirror. What you see is what you get. No makeup. You know, a guy standing in front of that, and he may have an ear as big as an elephant ear sticking out one side. Walk up to somebody on the road, and the guy says, what, what's wrong with your ear? He said, what do you mean, what's wrong with my ear? Nothing wrong with my ear. Come on, man. No, it's, it's fine. He forgets what he looks like. 
Did you, can you imagine how many people come to church, hear a message, and the Holy Spirit convicts them of something in their heart? They say, whoo, boy, I need to change that. I need to correct that. As soon as they walk out the door, they say, yeah, you know, ain't nothing wrong with my ear. I guess I'm okay. The Bible says, so I've given you a mirror. Look in the mirror. Look in there. Because it's an honest picture that you get. I heard about one lady who went to get some pictures made. And when she got them, she went back to the photographer. She says, these pictures don't do me justice. He said, lady, you don't need justice. You need mercy. (laughs) That's what I need when I look in the Word. I don't need justice, praise God. I need what? Mercy. Hallelujah. It's a helpful mirror. It enables the possibility of change. It reveals the dirt and the deformity and all the things that would be in my life. But it's also a helpless mirror. The law cannot change what you are. Only Christ can change what we are. It can reveal, but it cannot change. The third thing is the law of God is a measuring stick. It is the measurement. Now listen to this. It is the measurement of God's righteousness. We are measuring in the law the holiness of God. Did you realize that you cannot go to heaven unless you are 100% as holy as God is? What is the measuring stick? Way above me. And that measurement is the holiness of God. And that's why the Bible says we've all fallen short. So when I stand before God, if I am still under the law, if I am still being judged by the law, next week I don't want you to miss the transformation that happens when I'm being judged, hallelujah, by the cross of Jesus Christ and not by the law of Christ. This one, this law is written by the fingers of God. It is His law. It is His holiness. And once I'm saved, I should try to live up to it. Once I'm saved, I should try to hold on to it. I should try to obey it. I shouldn't lie. I shouldn't steal. I shouldn't kill. I shouldn't murder. I should honor my mom and dad. I should do everything it says. But thank God I am not depending on it for my salvation. Hallelujah. You see, this measurement is a mark, not a notch. It's consistent for everybody. We have a wonderful little thing in, the, in, in a closet in, in our house. It is the growth measurement of all our kids, grandkids. Anybody here have one of those? Maybe they wouldn't let me paint that room for nothing. Right down there. Got the date. There it is. In fact, we've painted around it. We honestly have. We painted everything in the room except the little chart. And you know what our kids do now, grandkids do now. They'll say, how old was he then? He was so old. They'll back up there. Mark me. That's the same age I am. I'm taller than he is. 
And we got it. I mean, the thing starts way down here and goes about as high as I can reach. And that's kind of a wonderful little thing to show the growth. But when it comes to salvation, there's this notch up here, this mark up here. And all of us are down here. In our best, we are still under the law. You see, the law of God, according to the Bible, is innate. Listen, it says the law of God written in your heart. Now talk to me for a moment. Do you believe that when somebody does something they know is wrong, there's a little pang of conviction in their heart? Talk to me. That's true, isn't it? I, 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 mean, I mean, I visited people in the, in, in the prisons and so forth, and, and, and you know what they all say to me? Well, preacher, you know, I'm a bad man. I did this, that, but you know that guy down there in that cell down there? I mean, he's a really bad man. I'm thinking, what? God not saved, nothing. Already. God said, I wrote my law in your heart. You, you, a person lie, and it, it hits his conscience. That's why we have lie detector tests. Some of the people that are mean as they can be, and they'll bring them in there, and they'll start asking them pointed questions. And you know what? When they lie, something happens in their body. It has a physical response, and they're able to see that that person is telling a lie. You know why? Because God wrote his law in our hearts. And I know when I've done something wrong. It's innate. It's born in us when we do something that's wrong. And God lets us know it. Written in stone. Written in flesh. The law of God is impartial. God is no respecter of persons. You won't be, there's no excuses. There are no extra points. I can't do all these good works. And then hopefully maybe my good works will outweigh my bad works. Y'all know how many people believe that? Well, I asked a guy not too long ago about, I don't know, been about four or five months ago. And I said, uh, do you know for sure you're on your way to heaven? He said, well, I sure do hope so. And I said, what are you talking about? He said, well, preacher, I'm trying to make sure that my good works outweigh my what? Bad works. A lot of people believe that. Folks, we cannot work our way to heaven. Remember, break one, what? We've broken them all. The, God, the law of God is impartial. The law of God and the law is inevitable. The Bible says it's appointed unto man once to die, but after this the judgment. The law is inexorable. That word means unbending, severe, unrelenting, merciless. Wherefore, as by one man sin into the world and death by sin, so death passed upon all men, for all have sinned. And today I stand free from the law. Boy, there used to be an old hymn we used to sing, free from the law, oh blessed condition. Jesus has died, and there is remission. Praise the Lord. What am I trying to tell you? I'm trying to tell you that until we see the bigness of the law, I don't appreciate the bigness of the cross. And that's why God says, man, live for Christ in light of the cross. I could never, will never, 
ever be able to show the Lord if I fasted every day until I died, if I came in this building and never left, if I prayed till my knees were like, they say James' knees were like camel knees. He prayed. If I was not a Christian, it would matter, matter not one thing. But once I am a Christian, it doesn't become a requirement. It becomes a privilege to serve God. Man, if you can sing, you ought to sing for Jesus. If you can't really sing, then you ought to do the best you can. I had a good friend in college, great big guy, must, one of the strongest men I've ever met, worked out all the time. That was the sorriest singer I've ever heard. But God had saved him out of a terrible life. <laughs> and we'd sit in church and I'd get buried. You know, I, I was a music and Bible major. Okay? And I'd stand beside that guy because we were best buddies. And he could not hit one note. And sang louder than anybody else in the whole building. And you see people turn around like that. But you know why? I mean, at first I said, oh, Jack, don't, man, that's bad, man, that's bad. One night we're sitting in our dorm room together. and He began to tell his story. Tell me what God saved him out of. Tell him what he was before he got saved. And then we began to sing a song about how God forgave us and God cleansed us and God changed us and that kind of stuff. And I could see his light, eyes light up. And if he were singing Amazing Grace, it'd all be one note. Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch. And I think, oh God, thank you for grace, but I wish you wouldn't sing it so loud. You know, when we find out what God took, don't miss next Sunday. How big is the law? The law is infinite. The judgment, why do people die and go to hell forever? Because they've broken an infinite law. You, we've, got, we've got county laws, we've got state laws, we've got federal laws. There are even world laws. And they meet in a different court and they have a different Result, but there is an eternal law, and it's the law of God. And when you break the eternal law of God, you are judged forever. Now think about this. Do you know anybody who is still lost? You know, my, I, I appreciate what George had to say because prayer starts everything. We had a great time in here last night, but what would happen if we had 150, 200, 300 people in here on, Wednesday, on Saturday night praying? And how, what would happen if half of us who know somebody who's lost, they're still under the law if they, are just, if they are just one heartbeat away from hell? If they've broken the law and they have not found Jesus Christ, they are on their way to an eternal hell. They will die and burn in hell forever and ever and ever and ever. And we walk among them and we live among them and we don't believe that the law is the finger of God written in stone that nothing in the universe can change except the cross of Jesus Christ which blots out the law. Ladies and gentlemen, we have the answer. But if the law is little, then the cross is going to be little. 
But if the law is overpowering and that the way the law will crush the biggest man and the dearest loved one, then we need to do our best to get everyone to the cross. Amen? Somebody's thinking about somebody right now. Somebody's thinking about a friend right now. Somebody may be thinking about a relative or a person you work with right now. Let me ask you a question. If God brought somebody to your mind and you're concerned about them, you say, yeah, man, I know some people. Do you think it would be good if we prayed for them? Would you be willing to commit with God this morning and say, Lord, I'll pray for that person? Would, Would you be willing... If God said, I'll make it so that you get to see him, would you be willing to invite him to church next Sunday? Wouldn't it be something? What would, it, what would happen if half of us had somebody else here and next Sunday morning I get to preach on the cross and I get to tell them how Jesus Christ died for them and somebody you brought were to accept Christ? How do you think you'd feel? I'd be feeling, I'd, I reached out, I got somebody. The law of God is written in stone. But the love of God is written in red. And I hope you'll never forget what we've talked about today. Only one life will soon be passed. Man, I'm moving on in life. And I am so excited about being able to do what I do. But I want to leave this life running, hallelujah. I'd like to run off the deck, wouldn't y'all? Can you see me sitting around in a wheelchair somewhere, knitting? Yeah, I just want to just sit here and knit. Hallelujah, praise God. Man, I want to run till, you know, I'd like to run into the arms of Jesus. Why? We have the greatest message ever given. We have the greatest challenge ever given. Let's do it for Jesus. Maybe today you sitting here just say, Pastor, I, I'm, not, I'm not saved. I'm not a Christian yet. I've thought about it. I never thought about the law and the cross. Did you know that may be why the Lord brought you here today? If the Holy Spirit has spoken to your heart, and there's a question and you say, I'm not sure, I'm on my way to heaven. Today's the day that you ought to switch from being under the law to being under the cross. And let God change your life. Let's bow our heads together. Father, we thank you for your holy word. This amazing truth that you blazed before us. God, in the centuries past, and if you should tarry in the centuries future, cultures will change, dynamics will change. But God, one thing will remain the same. The law of God by which we will be measured. And the grace of God at the cross by which we will be rescued. So Lord, speak to us today. Everyone, I want to recommit my life to you, O God. I want you to help us in this church to dust off 
any vision that might have kind of got a little dust on it, any commitment that might have a little dust on it. May we commit to you that, boy, the greatest days are yet ahead because our Lord is still in control. Let's keep our heads bowed. How many here would say, Preacher, I am absolutely sure that I'm on my way to heaven. I have trusted Christ as my Savior. I know He's in my heart. And I want to thank Him this morning for saving me. Would you just slip up your hand? Nobody looking around. It's just your testimony, God. Aren't you glad you can do that? Then that brings a certain amount of peace. If you're on that side, could I encourage you today? Be a good soldier for Jesus. Let's go sell him to the world. Let's go share him with the world. You're the people who can pray. You're the people who can give. You're the people who can live. How many here would say, Pastor, you know what? I'm not 100% sure. But I want to go to heaven when I die. And I want Christ to come into my life. And I'd like for you to pray for me. That I would come to that point. Would you slip up your hand? Let me see how many in this building. I am not. God bless you. Anybody else? See, it's not a matter of being born in a church or going through a catechism or going through something else. It's a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. If you're here and you say, I, I want this in my life, preacher. I want Christ in my life. Then I want you to pray right now. Pray to Jesus. And say, dear Lord Jesus, this morning I ask you to come into my heart. Lord, I'm trusting you today as my Savior. Forgive all the sins of my past. God, I want to be born again today. And Lord, I pray you would do it right now in somebody's life. And let that life be mine. I accept you now.